Why does God show mercy to rebellious people? That's the question we're discussing today on The Hero of the Story, presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of The Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you focus on the gospel in every area of your life and ministry. I'm Aaron Armstrong, brand manager of The Gospel Project, and with me as always is Brian Dembozik, our managing editor. So Brian, today we are taking a quick look at the book of Jonah, which um, many of our listeners may be surprised to learn is actually one of the least read books of the Bible. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's amazing because I was just thinking as you were doing your introduction that I, I just love this book. This is this has quickly become one of my favorite books. Uh, it, it's one, the more I read, the more I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Um, it it's so rich. Uh, as we're going to talk about in a few minutes, it's saturated with the gospel. Um, and so it's just a great book that I'm really looking forward to our conversation about it today. Yeah, it is a fun one. I just finished reading Tim Keller's book, The Prodigal Prophet, uh, recently, mm. and found it really, really helpful. Gave, um, I wouldn't say it gave a lot of new insights, but it just gave a lot of fresh reminders of of what is what is there. Um, and so that was uh, that was a nice treat for me. I, I think that's a beautiful encouragement in our growing in Christ when we find ourselves being reminded more. Um, we still learn, of course, there's still so much to learn, mm-hmm. but I, I think it's important that we remember that it's a gift of God when he reminds us of these truths over and over again, because we can see how he has been building them into us up to this point. And so just when you, when you read a book like, like that, and, and I've read them as well, and it's like, all right, I didn't learn anything new per se, but God in his kind of will affirm what he's been teaching us mm-hmm. and, and growing us. And so it's, just, it's a great, great reminder of what discipleship looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, so Brian, let's jump into this book and, and let's start by doing, by setting up some of the context where this book falls in the Bible's narrative. So, yeah. So, so Jonah takes place during the time of the divided kingdom and Jonah is a prophet that is, uh, in Israel, the, the northern kingdom of, of uh, God's people, during the time of King Jeroboam's reign. Um, and this is the same Jonah that is mentioned very briefly in 2 Kings 14.25. Uh, a lot of people probably don't even know that Jonah is referenced outside of, of this book. Um, but what we see going on here, of course, is that the northern kingdom of Israel is just running headlong into rebellion against God. They are uh, they continue to not dabble in idolatry, just jump into it. Uh, they are in open hostilities toward God. This is this is not a people who fell into sin. This is not a, a, a good people who made mistakes. This is a wicked people who are led by a wicked king after wicked king after wicked king. And so, of course, we know that God in his kindness delays rightful judgment of them and sends prophets to warn his people. But then when we have Jonah here, who is not sent to Israel, but sent from Israel to go to the Ninevites, the sworn enemies of God's people, and the people who God will use to bring judgment after this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so as we as we read this, I mean, that right in itself is a, is a really challenging idea. Typically, when we think about the prophets, we think about them going to God's people and warning them. I mean, that's the the overall thrust that we see throughout the prophets, throughout uh, First and Second Kings, and, and in Chronicles as well. That whenever they show up, they're typically talking to God's people and 
generally with the same message of repent <laughs> or judgment's yeah. going to come. Um, but for for God to send this prophet to a non-Jewish people, to a Gentile people, um, and not just to any people, but to the Ninevites who were Assyrians, who um, were ultimately the people who were going to conquer Israel them, uh, themselves. Um, that is a, a powerful image right there. Yeah, and it, it really speaks to uh, one of the first questions that that's raised when we look at this book. And it's very the very beginning, of course, uh, that, that when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, he refused. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't just a discomfort. It wasn't just a, a preference. There was something deep within Jonah that caused him to recoil and even rebel against this assignment. And so, of course, we know he ran. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why. This is this is God. You know, if we don't understand what's going on in history around this, if we don't understand who the Assyrians were, it's easy to, to kind of misunderstand what's going on here. Um we have to see that God sent Jonah to the sworn enemy of his people and a very wicked people as well. Um, we talk about the wickedness of the Israelites. Well, their wickedness was idolatry. It was, it was rebellion against God. The Assyrians' wickedness was an incredible cruelty. They were a mighty military. They would conquer people and they were cruel in how they did that. Mm-hmm. Vicious. You can... You can do some, you know, internet searches and, and find some of the things that, that they did, uh, but it they were recognized as just a bad people and not bad in the in the good sense of that word. Um, they were just bad. And here you see God tell. I mean, some people today would would say it's like God sending a missionary to you know to pick a, a sworn enemy of you know yeah. uh, North Korea or Iran, even though I think. We have to be careful. It's not the people of Iran or North Korea. It's the it's the leadership that, that is hostile. Mm-hmm. But it's it's that's the best we can kind of think about of saying, all right, go there and preach the gospel. That 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 sense of wait a minute, but they're against us, and so that's what's going on here with Jonah's refusal. Um, it, it was perhaps one part of him being a nationalist, believing mm-hmm. that God just cared about. The people of Israel. It was another part of him being just a, an outright opponent to these other people. So that's that's the first question that you have to rub shoulders with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And just that question itself that's that's one that that creates a lot of tension. And and we can dig into this more as we are talking about our advice for for group leaders of various sorts and kinds. But it is. Um, this whole idea of of Jonah being a certainly having the appearance of being being a pretty strong nationalist, if not um, if not being outright racist in his his approach, um, is one that we've seen we've seen take increasing pro, uh, prominence in interpretations of this book in recent years. But it's not really a new one, is it? No, no, because you see this, um, 
especially nationalism, you see that throughout Israel's history. You see it leading into the Gospels. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember when Jesus is teaching in synagogue and, and, and everybody's glowing about him. And, and then he mentions God's kindness to a couple of Gentiles and they want to kill him after this. That's right. the nationalism of that day. That was this mistaken notion that God only cared for his chosen people. And tightly, I mean, we, we want to be careful about speaking too much in general here, but um, at that risk, a lot of times nationalism and racism are intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, they can you know, be. When you, yeah, when you think, it doesn't have to be, but often it, it, it seems to be that when you think that your own kind is superior, that there's something special about you and your, your kind, your people, your nation, it's understandable that the inverse of that it is often seen to be true that there's something fundamentally wrong with others and and it just can fuel racism. So we, we don't know if that was necessarily in Jonah's heart here. Um, we do know from chapter four that he clearly despised these people mm-hmm. um, in some level. Now, again, was it just because they were the enemy? Was it racism? We, can't we don't know, know for but, sure. But, but this book is helpful. It puts for us to put our heart under the microscope as we'll talk about how this book ends. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so another question that we should be asking as we look at this book really is, and I mean, this might feel a little bit on the nose since the t- since it's the title of our podcast, but who is the hero of this of this story? Um, well, clearly, clearly, it's Jonah, right? I mean, he's the book's called after him, and he takes up most <laughs> of the real estate in the book. It's got to be Aaron. Well, he's definitely he's definitely the main character aside from God. <laughs> But I mean, if we look at how he behaves and and um, and just everything in the narrative, really, it seems like everybody except Jonah is the hero in the story. That's right. I mean, that's right. Yeah, you don't see much heroic actions from Jonah. Yeah, yeah. If anything, you see the I mean, the point seems to be that. He needs as much grace as any of the people that God is sending him to. That um, this man who is a who is a prophet um, who speaks for God to God's people um, still needs the same kind of grace that these people who are far off from God as well. Um, yeah. And so, as we dig into the book, we see when the storm hits the hits the ship that Jonah has um, has has boarded to go the opposite direction of Nineveh. He um, he's asleep and all the other, all the other passengers, all the sailors, they're all, they're all praying and saying, okay, guys, pray to your gods. And, and one of them, you know, maybe one of them will answer us. And they get really frustrated. And when they realize that Jonah is down in the hold asleep and he's not concerned about anything, Um, we, and, and so we have them, although they're they're we have them acting in almost a more pious way than Jonah in that instance, although their piety yep. is related to false deities. So it's so it's it's a little more so it's it's a tricky thing to to walk through there. but it, it is. and at the very end, they do make sacrifice to God. And, absolutely. And, and, but we don't know. As kind of you're alluding to, it doesn't say only. It doesn't say they reject these other deity. They may have just added it's Yahweh possible. to that. It's possible. But but as to your point stands, they seem to be more in tune with what God is doing than 
the prophet Jonah is yeah. in that part. Absolutely. Well, and even when um, when they cast lots and they they find and the lot falls on Jonah and they realize that he's the one that's responsible for all of this or his presence is the one that's responsible for this massive yeah. storm. Um, when he when Jonah says, OK, here's what you need to do to make this all make this all better um, is throw me overboard. They fight that and are like, no, maybe we can yeah. maybe we can get to to back to the shore maybe we can we can we can ride this thing out and they're doing what they can to try to save his life and and not just throw him overboard and even when they finally do it's with this great remorse of basically please, god please forgive us um yeah, it's, yeah don't th- get mad is, at us <laughs> this is such a book of great contrast because you contrast that with what Jonah is going to do with Nineveh after this he's going to pray for their for their judgment still mm-hmm. it's the exact opposite here you have a heartless jonah who is sent by god to uh, pronounce uh, repentance and this opportunity for repentance to Nineveh and when they do he doesn't celebrate that he pouts and he's angry and he wants to see them still judged and you contrast that with these pagan sailors who mm-hmm. as you just said had such a heart for Jonah they did not want to throw him into the into the waters it just I, that's why I love this book. It is yeah, so rich. It is, and you know, typically when we think about Jonah's character arc, so many of us want to stop at his at his confession and 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 what certainly reads as genuine repentance in in the belly of the great fish. Um, yeah, but you know, but it keeps going again. Yeah. But it, I would argue it doesn't really read to me as genuine repentance. If you read his prayer, it is mm-hmm. mostly, I'm in a bind. God, you can get me out of this and mm-hmm. I'll do what you told me to do. I don't see anywhere in here a heart change in, hey, look, I I was wrong to rebel against you. I will not to care for these people and so forth. It is, I'm in this situation. I've been banished. I've been punished. Mm-hmm. Um, God, you can get me out of this. Get me out of this and I'll worship you and I'll do what I, it's it's him bargaining, it seems. Mm. And I think from what we see after this, there's clearly not a heart change. This man, his he was not changed in that fish. Right. Only to the point of saying, fine, I'll do what you told me to do. But it, to me, I've always read this prayer more of a, a, selfish, if you will, prayer of, hey, this is about me. Get me out of this situation and I'll, and I'll do what I was told it. You know, I don't see mm-hmm. true repentance of the greater situation there. Yeah. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I think it's fair that it could be interpreted both ways. One being that, you know, maybe there, maybe there, and I do lean towards, and maybe this is just because I'm feeling less cynical today than usual, but, uh, <laughs> It's a Friday. It is. You know, it's a good day when it's a Friday and we're recording yeah. together and not in a hot studio together as well. But <laughs> um, when when I look at this, when I think about it, um, one of the things that I do wrestle with, I, I have to lean toward there's some sort of glimmer of of some kind of step toward realizing that that uh, that there was that he was wrong at least that um at least in terms of running from god and disobeying him in that way um he still hadn't wrestled with the whole reality of his nationalism and his view toward yeah. the the ninevites at all um and that's because that's coming up but um 
but at least at least from the perspective of him um him and his obedience to do what God called him to do there's at least that part but when we get to when we get to him actually in Nineveh again we see we see this um we do see this reality that as he as he goes and as he uh proclaims the message and you know I sometimes wonder what what, what did he actually say in terms of um, his tone, his cadence. Did he like? Did he yeah. just come in and kind of like mumble? God's gonna destroy you all. See ya. Something like that, more more so, or like was it was it that kind of half hearted, or was it basically God's gonna kill you? Bye. <laughs> yeah. Um, and and like almost excited. Um, that's one of those things that I. I mean, I lo- I love to to try and e- explore um, in as much as Scripture will let us um, explore the that emotional side of of these figures. Um, yeah, and and I think that's um, I think that's important to do, Aaron. As as we're studying passages like this, um, we have to remember this really happened. Mm-hmm. Jonah is a real man. He really was in the belly of a fish. He really went to Nineveh. He really proclaimed this. And so to remember this, that, that these are not um, wooden people, these are real people with real emotions, real thoughts, and so forth. And I think that there is something important about us taking some time in chapters two and three, as we're kind of talking through right now, and trying to understand and grapple with where was Jonah in this? Because as we're going to talk about, and seeing where Jonah was in this book is vital for us to examine where we are today as individuals. Um, and so to, to understand what was, what was the level of Jonah's repentance in chapter two, as you and I were mm-hmm. talking about, what, what was his obedience like in chapter three? And I'm with you. I, at best, it, was, it seems to be half-hearted obedience. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'll, I'll, do what, I'll cross the T's and dot the I's to be obedient to you so you can't throw me in another belly of a fish or something. Mm-hmm. Fine, I'll do it. But to suggest that his heart was behind it, was in it, Clearly, it was not based on what we come across in chapter four. Um, and so, again, these are sitting up questions as we're going to talk about the whole point of Jonah is for us to look at our sin and consider how do we live out these things? What's our heart of obedience? What's mm-hmm. our heart of repentance and so forth? Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so as we as we one more question that that the book does prompt us to ask as well is, is why does the book have an open ending. Um, it is an unusual, uh, an unusual thing to see, but it is an important thing, particularly for mm-hmm. this message. Yeah, I, I think it's critical. I, I think that when I first understood why the book ends the way it does is when this book became beautiful to me, mm. um, because that ending, as we know, it leaves off with this question that God asks Jonah basically, don't I have a right to care about these people that you don't care about? And Jonah, let, let me just put it, make it clear for you. If you don't care about these people, do you at least care about some animals in that city? It's a shaming question mm-hmm. um, to, to Jonah. And it leaves off there. We, we expect to turn the page, you know, and say, wait a minute, where's Jonah chapter five and see Jonah what we expect is, and then Jonah came to his senses and repented because we all like a happy ending. 
we, we, so we don't know. We don't know what happens with Jonah. We, he may have repented at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of lean, I'm more cynical. I, I kind of lean toward he, he did not, um, that he was, he was so, <laughs> he was so deeply in his heart warped in this area, at least. Um, and so we don't know, but here's the point. It's not about that question. Mm-hmm. That's not the most important question we have to ask at the end of this book. I believe it leaves off like this because the question is, well, what about us? Mm-hmm. Where, where are we with our obedience to God? How, wh- how do we look at other people? Are, do we struggle with nationalism and racism? Do we struggle with uh, being obedient? Do we struggle with repenting of God truly because we have sinned against him? Or do we proverbially, you know, we repent because we're in a bind and we want to get out of a bind. Um, so this book ends this way because it's not about Jonah, it's about us. And of course, as we'll talk about in a minute, it's this beautiful contrast between Jonah and another true hero in scripture that starts mm. with the J, Jesus. Mm. Very good. Very good. That's a, let's go to now. Before we get there, though, um, I'm going to challenge you on, on okay. your opinion. So I would lean toward, yes, he did repent. And here's, okay. and here's why, because how would we know what happened in this book? <laughs> That's a good point. If he didn't turn back and see the error of his ways, and um, if God's grace hasn't, hadn't worked profoundly in his own heart, um, this book wouldn't exist. It wouldn't be in scripture um, because he's the, or, one, because he's the or, one who went and told that story to other people. Or he wrote it very grudgingly. I don't know. I don't know. I lean toward <laughs> just, not I'm there. So I'm just playing. No, that's, that's a, that's a fine point, but I, I'm sure there was a gap in time between just to defend myself. <laughs> that's just fine. That's just <laughs> fine. So, um, so anyway, but back to the real hero of this story, as we know, all scripture, um, testifies to Jesus. Um, Jesus has made this explicitly clear in John chapter 5 in Luke 24. Um, you know, the book of Hebrews certainly points us in this direction as well. Um, basically, everything Paul says and does, does as well. Um, what we... Um, so when we think about this book, we need, to, we need to wrestle with the question of how does it point us to Jesus? Yeah. Well, I think first of all, you take the the broad strokes of of this passage, this story, mm-hmm. um, and you see God sending an unwilling missionary to proclaim repentance to his enemies, mm-hmm. and and the person, the the missionary, the prophet, doing that grudgingly, um, and actually praying for their destruction. Mm-hmm. Contrast that with Jesus, a greater missionary, to use that term, greater prophet, to use that term, who God sent to his enemies to proclaim repentance. And yet this missionary, this prophet, this greater one did not pray for their demise and destruction, but allowed himself to be destroyed in their place Mm -hmm. to bring about forgiveness and, and restoration. And so that's the broad brush. That is where we start to see Jesus, but then we can noodle down more deeply and and see him as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and as we noodle down more deeply, as you said, um, we actually get to see um, in this where Jesus kind of gives us a gimme. So, um, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. It's, it's so great when Jesus 
tells you how to understand a passage of scripture. So, um, and we don't get to argue with it at that point, um, <laughs> which is also really nice um, because then you're like, well, that's just Jesus's interpretation. No, that's really bad. Don't do that. So, um, <laughs> so, but this is, but uh, Jesus references in Matthew's gospel uh, on two different occasions references J- Jonah uh, with this language of the sign of Jonah. And yep. so um, so there are two pieces of that that he brings into play. Uh, the first most obvious portion of that, of course, is Jonah being in the belly of this great fish for three days and three nights before being spit out onto the shores of Assyria. Um, likewise, Jesus was in the grave, the belly of the earth, for three days and three nights before his resurrection from the dead. Um, and but and so that's one point, and that's the that's the place that we uh, we generally go very quickly, and we but we usually stop there. Yeah. What we what we don't often do is is go to that second side side of this sign of Jonah that Jesus offers, which is where he contrasts the response of the Ninevites. Um, to Jonah's half-hearted preaching, wherein the entire city of Nineveh <laughs> repents. He leads a massive revival in this in this community, even though it wasn't um, you know generations lasting, unfortunately, we know that later Assyria did attack um, did attack Israel yep. and did conquer them and take them away into captivity. Um, and we're punished for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but what he what he does is he contrasts their response to the to the lack of response, the lack of repentance, more specifically of the of the Pharisees and Sadducees, the ones who are hearing uh, hearing the one who is greater than Jesus or sorry. Who is hearing who are hearing the words of the one who is greater than Jonah, Jesus himself, the one who is the the greatest prophet, the only one who truly can speak all of God's words in full, in clarity, without any, without any mistake in interpretation, because he is God. Um, yep. So who can preach repentance better than Jesus? No one. And yet they still didn't listen. And so this is this is where that sign comes into play that um, we need to we need to recognize that even as Jonah still um, even as Jonah's uh, book itself just in its own plain reading challenges us in our response to God's grace, Jesus challenges us with that with that message himself. He doubles down on it. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was him. It was kind of like God in the end of Jonah four Mm -hmm. saying, Jonah, I mean, don't I have this right to love this people and kind of really hammering Jonah in that moment. That's Jesus way of doing it there. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Where he says, Hey, even the Ninevites, even these wicked people, they repented by the the preaching of this half-hearted disobedient prophet. And here I am the prophet who is here preaching to you and you're not accepting it. What does that say about you? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's a really important point that he was making to them. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. All right. So um, let's think about because as we as we end every episode, we want to think about this from a from a practical perspective um, for from some kind of group leader, whether they're um, they're uh, working with adults with. Uh, in a student ministry or kids ministry or or just engaging in one-on-one discipleship. Um, what kind of guidance can we offer them in working through this passage with others? Well, I think the first one is what we've kind of hit on some already, mm-hmm. Aaron, and just to restate it, we've got to allow our people to sit in the tension book um, and not just to move past it. We this book is designed to challenge us in many different ways. You know, we have already mentioned what does our repentance look like? What does our obedience look like? Mm -hmm. Do we have a heart? Do we have a heart for the nations? Um, Another one I don't think we've addressed is think about what Jonah did, what he experienced and his lack of gratitude Mm -hmm. to God. I mean, here he was, he, God used him to impact these sailors on a ship. He used him to impact an entire city, at least for a time. Mm -hmm. And we don't, we don't see Jonah you know, grateful to God and humility for saying, man, I can't believe you've used me in this way. We see him just looking past that. How often do we do the same thing? We fail to uh, live in gratitude for the opportunities God has given us to serve him, whether they be big or small. So there are many different ways that this book is designed to challenge us to lean into our minds and lean into our hearts. And we want, uh, we want our people to sit in that uh, you know, we want them to be uncomfortable for a time. Um, and, and, you know, balance that of course, with the truth of the gospel that Mm -hmm. in Christ, we are fully forgiven in Christ. We're fully accepted, but we also need to sit in that challenge of where's my heart. Uh, what is my heart posture like toward, toward God? Um, what is my living like and and allow our people to, to experience that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and on, on the same note, when we think about um think about our call to go and make disciples. Um, you know, we you know, when we work on on material with the gospel project, we we always think about um how does how does how does what we're learning express itself in mission? Um so how does the gospel lead us to go and make other disciples? Well, um to your point um, what we need to remember is is that it's not just about how uh, just about our need to go and take take the gospel um, into the nations um, for the whole world to to hear and respond to the good news of Jesus. What we have to remember is that our heart that we have to re- deal with our own hearts as we go. That um, we can't stop at just going and performing the the duties. We need to we need to recognize it for what it is is which is an act of worship on our part. Yes, and so Jonah challenges us in that as well. Without a doubt, you know I think also this it reminds us of of God's grace and mercy to us. I mean look at look at look at how patient he was with Jonah. Mm-hmm. Um, again, if 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 this book were if I were God. Ugh, it's even hard to even say that. Um, but this book would have started in chapter one and chapter two would have been very differently. It would have had me casting Jonah out to the side and choosing somebody else to go. Um, <laughs> that, that's not how it works. Um, God is, is a pursuing God. And uh, so he pursued Jonah, his wayward prophet. And, and just look at, think about the grace and mercy he extended to, to this man, this prophet. Um, 
and and I think we have to to really remember that God extends similar grace or the same grace and mercy to us. Um, and think about the times that we are wayward. Uh, mm-hmm. We are all like Jonah um, in different ways, at different times, in different levels. And yet God showers us with grace and mercy. He's patient with us. He's kind with us. And, uh, and that's something that, that we need to, to sit in and, uh, and help it fuel our love for him and our worship of him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a, I mean, Brian, that's a great place for us to, to end on. So, uh, so let's do that. Thanks for chatting about this book today. Yeah. It was a good conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you for listening to today's episode of the podcast. If you enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple podcasts or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com.